0: Good morning, Crosspoint family. So glad to be here. Great to see you. What a blessing indeed indeed, to be able to gather and um, sing praises unto him who is worthy. Love those songs that we just sang. And um, it's all about praising him and glorifying our God's holy name. And so we're glad that you're here with us to be able to do that. Let me mention a couple of announcements. I'm trying to go quick here most of these are in our weekly bulletin, so you should have gotten those on, um, or should have gotten it last night. Take a look at that. But let me mention, for example, um, last Sunday we had uh, one baptism, and she is part of our Spanish group, and it's a blessing because she came to us, and, uh, never really... Uh, obviously walked with the Lord, and been discipled, uh, came from a, uh, a place where she didn't know the Lord, and here she got a chance to, to hear the gospel, and, and it's a blessing that she has connected with us so well. Uh, you'll get a chance to meet her, Lord willing. Uh, she's already helping and volunteering here at church, and so it's great to see that happen, where somebody who does not know the Lord come, is invited to church, they hear the gospel, the Lord reaches them, they are baptized, and they become uh part of our local family it's a blessing but to that i will also mention that uh, michelle who's here this morning and we're pleased to have you michelle is uh getting baptized lord willing this coming sunday uh so next sunday and i want to mention that because well we want to celebrate what god is doing obviously but also remind everybody that that's what we're about here at crosspoint as a church we are disciples of christ who make disciples And we can't really call ourselves true disciples of Jesus Christ if we're not about making disciples. And don't let the enemy put anything weird in your head about unnecessary guilt trips or, you know, I'm not really doing this or that. I would just say to you, follow what the leaders of this church have put out as a plan, which is our simple discipleship process, and start there. Use that as a base. You know, experience God through worship like you're doing now. Be consistent. Be constant in attending Sunday. Be here on time. Be here early. Get to know people, uh, and then commit to growth through growth groups, and then serve the uh, the world with God's love through service teams, in the church and outside of church. Start there. Start there. You're going to see God use you. And I mentioned that because Michelle comes to us. I haven't really uh, talked a whole lot to Michelle. Looking forward to getting to know her better. But I know that Erica Avila has discipled her, and then. Uh, Joanne Duran has been part of that in having Bible studies. And so you see how when we commit to following the Lord and we realize what God has done for us, what he offers us, what he promises us, then we want that for other people. And God will send the people to you. In fact, I would say that nobody here has nobody to disciple. Nobody here should feel like, I, have no, I don't know who to disciple. There's like nobody around. It's like, no, nah, you just got to submit to the Lord and say, Lord, use me. And I assure you, there's people already in your life that need to hear the gospel, that need to be discipled, and to need to see God's love poured onto them through you. That's a challenge. Then that's what Crosspoint is about. And and let me say this, I I would hate for anybody to feel like you're coming to Crosspoint and there's nothing for you to do. Because you hear that all the time. Church hoppers, well, you know, I kind of like the church. The pastor's okay and the music's all right, but I don't know. I really hope that you understand that if you come to Crosspoint, you are committed to being a disciple of Christ who makes disciples. And I would hate to see anybody go ever. But if ever you feel like the Lord is calling you somewhere else or this is not the place for you, I hope that it's because you're just not into disciple-making and you're not serious about being a disciple of Christ. Because if you are, then you'll find a home right here with plenty to do inside and out Never a dull moment, I assure you. This church is about being disciples of Christ to glorify Him, and we also glorify Him by making new disciples who make new disciples who make new disciples. Commit, experience, commit, serve. That's our discipleship process. So it, it, I just wanted to highlight that the fact that, it, of course, it works. We didn't make this up. You know, the elders didn't get together and say, like, hey, let's make up this a new idea. It's like, no, let's just go back to what the Bible says. And follow his great command and the great commission to go out and make disciples, to love God and love people. So that is what Crosspoint invites you to be part of. And uh, on that same line, I want to mention that uh, two weeks from today, we're going to have a meet the leaders lunch. And that is for anybody who's been uh, recently added to our church family. So if you've been here I don't know, about six months or less or right around there, or if you missed the last Meet the Leaders lunch, uh, this is for you. And off the top of my head and working with our, you know, welcoming team, there's at least about 30 of you, and many of you are sitting right here, and some of them are from our Spanish group. You, you've, you've, you've stuck around. You've stuck around. Somebody invited you or you started coming, and uh, you know that maybe this is the place that Lord has for you to grow and to make friendships, and to serve him. And so we want, you to, we want to spend some time with you. And uh, we're going to grab some lunch. So we do want you to sign up. I know Brother Tony Pena Sr., who's outside in the welcoming table. Uh, he registers you in, kind of checks you in. He has a clipboard. Uh, you could also send me an email, let me know you're coming, how many people in your party, because we want to be ready for that. But we're really looking forward to that. With our last one, we had about 27 people. Uh, we expect to have another 30 people. Think about that. That's 60 people in, in, in about a year. That's, that's actually really good. Just in case you don't know, part of the reason why we're in the gymnasium having church services is because we expect God to bless us with many new crosspointees. Is there such a thing, crosspointees? And so this building is going to allow us to grow uh, much more easier than than our other building so um, we want to grow of course we want to grow we want to we want to fill this place up we want to have multiple services we want to see what God has and not because of anything other than God to be glorified as more people come to know the Lord and commit them their lives to being disciples of the Lord and I'm super excited about that that excites me that motivates me that keeps me going every day, knowing that God is sending us new people and is blessing us that way and is entrusting us, individuals, to, for us to help them on their on their spiritual journey and walk. Super exciting. So, the 31st, Meet the Pastors Lunch, that'll be after the Spanish service, so at noon. And uh, just sign up, let us know you're coming. We would uh, love to spend that time with you. And then on the 14th of November, we are going to celebrate the fact that we have existed as Crosspoint for seven years, so, seven years. so we're going to have our seven-year anniversary celebration, all right, and so we're working on some, some t-shirts, we're working on having a really good lunch, a combined service at 10.30, so our Spanish group and our English group will be together, uh, that'll be really exciting to just see this place kind of filled up and, um, and have a chance to glorify God and thank Him for His faithfulness and the work that He's doing in us and through us. All right, that's it. I shall move on. So if you brought one of these guys here, it's going to help us to uh, take communion here together. And through your growth group, as we're reading, as we're committed to spiritual growth, and part of that is reading the Bible, and we said we're going to read one chapter a day, Uh, you'll be reading Ephesians this coming week. And so I want to preach this morning a message from there, and it's entitled God's Kindness. But I also want to take communion and use Ephesians chapter 2 verses 16 through 17 or 18, so in preparation for for taking communion. So Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 16, and here Paul, such a rich letter, and I've preached on this, right, about six sermons on on Ephesians not that long ago, we just kind of scratched the surface, but... Here in Ephesians 2, chapter, uh, verses 16, starting verse 16, it's talking about the mystery, and we talked about that, the mystery that, that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, were also co-heirs through Jesus Christ. And this is such a mis- uh, mystery. But it says, uh, starting verse 16 in chapter 2 of Ephesians, and that he might reconcile them both to God, both being Jews and Gentiles, in one body through the cross, Thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. So, whether Jew or Gentile, we all come to have peace with God the same way, which is through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. And for most of us who are Gentiles, we get to be co-heirs. With Christ. We who were once far off, we who was, were once dead in sins and trespasses, aliens of the commonwealth of Israel, through the one body of Christ and his sacrifice at the cross, we are able to make peace with God. The enmity, the animosity is taken away through Jesus' sacrifice at the cross. Isn't that awesome? And we get to celebrate that by taking communion. That is what binds us together. Though we're many of us, we're individually members of one another, but we're also members of one body, and that is the body of Christ. And so as you peel back the first layer, you have the bread, unleavened bread, which symbolizes that one body through which God the Father made peace through the sacrifice of our Lord. Let's take that together. And in that body that hung on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ was the precious blood of the Lamb of God. Precious in that its worth is incalculable. There is no way you can put a price on its worth, but suffice to say, it's enough to pay for all of our sins and the sins of the world. And so we take that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for allowing us the opportunity to gather as children of yours through what you did through your son at the cross of Calvary some 2,000 years ago. And we are here celebrating that, recognizing that, proclaiming this truth that we are children of yours through that sacrifice for which we are eternally grateful. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters who are here. For those joining us online, I ask for your blessing. I ask for your help as we listen to a message this morning about your kindness. Father, that it would penetrate our being and that it would motivate us to live for your honor and glory. We thank you. We ask you this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read that. And the title of this morning's message, once again, is God's Kindness. God's Kindness. And and, um, I'm so blessed in being able to have the responsibility to prepare day in and day out, week in and week out, to present to you a message, a biblical message that I pray would bless you. And so I'm blessed because I get to meditate in God's Word and study and kind of wrestle with with the Word and and being guided to see what, of everything that I can preach on, what the Lord would lead me to preach on. And so this morning, God's kindness, as I was reading through Ephesians, because it's part of our growth group uh, curriculum, gives you a chance to read, study, ask questions, uh, share with your group. And that, I think that, that is one of my most favorite things to do is just to gather with other believers and just to be able to talk about the word. It's one of the things that I enjoy doing with my dad before he passed away. Uh, we always had like this weird, you know, he was, he was super quiet and I was kind of like a shy kid and we, we, he wasn't very emotionally expressive and, uh, and so we, I don't recall having many conversations growing up, but as an adult, and towards you know the last years of his life, we got a chance to to talk scripture and doctrine and get into it a little bit every once in a while with him. And those were some of my favorite times uh, that I got to spend with my dad. And so anytime we get to 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 sp- together and get a chance to uh, speak of God's word and God's faithfulness and His kindness and His goodness is something that I truly truly enjoy. And that's part of what the growth groups provide an atmosphere for you to do. So I hope you're being blessed by that and, and you're part of one. So God's kindness, uh, Ephesians 2, let me read that. Um, and, and the key verse is verse 7, but I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to read verse 7 only. I'm just going to read the whole thing now and we'll get right, right into it. All right? And this is the main point before I read. The main point is God deserves to be forever glorified for the kindness that he has shown us. God deserves to be forever glorified for the kindness that he has shown us. That's what we're going to talk about. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 9 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I can't tell you how many times I've read that scripture, or even recited it. But as I was reading Ephesians through this word kindness and this idea that, that in verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. He's going to show the exceeding riches of his grace. How? In his kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus. And so I got to thinking, you know, kindness, man, what is, what is kindness? What, uh, what does kindness look like? What does kindness feel? What does it feel like to, to receive kindness? And how does it feel to express kindness to others? And so I did some research, and I found a really cool uh, definition of kindness that I want to share with you. It says, kindness. It's the sincere and voluntary use of one's time, talent, and resources to better the lives of others through genuine acts of love, compassion, generosity, and service. You guys got all that? <laughs> I love this definition. I mean, think about it. If you, if, you were to, if you had to define kindness, how would you? Let me submit this definition to you once again. Kindness is... The sincere and voluntary use of one's time, talent, and resources to better the lives of others through genuine acts of love, compassion, generosity, and service. And I want to talk about God's kindness. And as we talk about God's kindness, I think my trust is that the Holy Spirit, through his word, will speak to you and teach you and tell you how you are to act upon after having heard a message like this. And, and I'll do some application, of course, but we should never feel like, yeah, that was a great sermon on kindness. All right. Okay, be quiet. Let's go already. I'm hungry. You know? And then we act the opposite of what we just heard about. So it's, we're not here to just listen about God's... I believe that as we come sincerely and we receive God's word and as we talked about God's kindness... That should, one, soften our hearts, that we would get a chance to really think about, consider, and meditate about God's kindness towards me. And as he softens our heart, the Holy Spirit will prompt us and say, okay, now that you have a good feel about how kind I've been towards you, and since I live in you, and I still care about this world, I want to use you to show kindness to this world through you. And as we sit through it thinking like, but I'm not a very kind person. Good. You know what happens then? Then God is glorified when he transforms your life. Because then you'll be able to say, man, if you would have met me five years ago, I was the grumpiest, most pessimistic, worst person to be around. But God, like it says in verse 4, but God. Boy, two years ago, if you would have talked to me that way, you know what would have happened? Ooh. But God restrains me. He's changing me. He's transforming me. And you know who takes the credit? God does. That is how God is glorified through our lives. not this mystical, weird thing that we talk about God being glorified. Beloved, God is glorified as we're here, as we lift up our voices and sing to him and recognize his goodness, as we leave here and we treat our husbands and wives better and our children better and and our neighbors and our strangers and our enemies and we begin to live the way God wants us to live, God is glorified. And Ephesians is really about that. It's a a prison epistle written by Paul, and and it's a rich, rich letter. And he's telling believers, hey, this is who you are in Christ, and starting in chapter 4, and this is how you're supposed to live your life in this world. Worthy of my calling, he says beloved the word is alive it needs to be transforming you if it's not you're not receiving it you're not humbling yourself before it you're not surrendering to him but i I, i'm grateful that i see so many of you and i get to interact with a lot of you and see what god is doing in you and through you so praise god for that how do you feel when somebody shows you kindness I'll give you 10 seconds. Think about the last time you experienced kindness from somebody else. Just somebody who sincerely and voluntarily used their time, talent, and resources to better your life through a genuine act of love, compassion, generosity, or service. And I hope nobody's here thinking like, "Mm, no, never. I can't think of one. You need some new friends, and you need to come to Crosspoint more because you'll find some people here that are generously kind towards one another. I'm so grateful that throughout my life, I've experienced kindness through people around me, through my family, through my church family. It's amazing. And then a question for us to be a little convicted is, how do you feel when you treat others with kindness? When's the last time you just sincerely and voluntarily used your time talent and resource to better the lives of others through a genuine act of love compassion generosity or service and i would submit to you that when we are intentionally showing kindness to others we are living the way christ wants us to live for him to do the opposite of that is just to be disobedient Or to be neglectful of that is just to be indifferent about our walk and our relationship with God. So let's talk about kindness. The kindness of God. And I got four points I want to share with you and lots to say, and so let's get right to it. The kindness of God, point number one, from, from chapter two, verses one through nine, point number one, the kindness of God is undeserved. Undeserved. And that's really important because if I was to say, go out this week and be kind to someone, You know what the enemy is going to tell you? You know what your flesh is going to tell you? They don't really deserve your kindness. What have they done for you lately? Well, they haven't been kind to you. Why would you be kind to them? Don't think you're the only one. The, The devil and your flesh, it's our common enemy. And we all go through that. So the kindness of God is undeserved Ephesians 1, 2, 1 through 3, listen to that. And you he made alive, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in whom you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. And I hope nobody's here thinking like, I was never like that. I've always been a good person. Careful, beloved. Careful. Paul says, we all conducted ourselves this way. If you hadn't, then there would have been no need for salvation. And then Christ died in vain, like it says in Galatians. And, and you read those first three verses, you realize I was completely undeserving of God's kindness. God's kindness is undeserved. I think of John 8, the woman that was caught in adultery. What a terrible scene that, that would have been. These self-righteous religious leaders going and catching a woman in the very act of adultery, and dragging her onto the street, bringing her before the Lord and saying, Hey, we're supposed to stone her, right? What do you say? And what does the Lord do? He shows this amazing kindness towards her. Did she deserve to be stoned? Yeah, so did the other guy, of course, whom they failed to drag out as well. It's probably their buddy. I don't know that for sure. <laughs> and what does the Lord do? Does she deserve to be stoned? Yes, she did but he shows his kindness towards her. And you look at, you read the Gospels and you see God's kindness over and over and over. God just having mercy and showing his grace towards people. And he does the same for us. And it's undeserved. Romans 9, verses 15 through 16, some tough chapters in Romans. Even Peter I find so much comfort when Peter says, hey, you know that Paul, some of the stuff that he writes is just hard to understand. I love it. Like, Thank God. Peter, Peter had a hard time with Paul's writings. So profound. But Paul writes in Romans chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, he says, For he, God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion, so that it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Beloved, if you're here, not just here at Crossman, but if you're here in the family of God, it is only by God's grace in showing kindness towards you, and it is undeserved. So the kindness of God is undeserved, but here in Ephesians chapter 2, we also read that it is motivated by his love. That's point number two. God's kindness is motivated by his love. Listen to what it says here in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us oh, amazing grace. Amazing love, amazing mercy. God, beloved, is so much greater than we can imagine. And I think one of the joys as a Christian, as you're growing as a Christian, is to realize that the more you learn about him, the more you realize he's that much better than you realized before. And you're never going to get to the end of that. It's like the next level, you grow in intimacy with Christ, you realize how much more greater He is. And then you stay at it, and you grow again, and then you realize, whoa, God is even more awesome than what I realized. And that's going to continue forever. As long as you stay in the Word and continue to grow, you're just going to real- He's never going to disappoint you. You're never going to get to the end and be like, oh. I don't know why I was thinking about video games right now, but when I was a kid, I used to love video games—the original Zelda, Mario Brothers, stuff like that. Some of you guys don't even know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. But you know, you play, you're addicted to the game, and you go to the next level, and you're next, and then you get to the end of the level, you're like, "Oh, now what?" Well, God's not like that. You grow in your depth and love, and knowledge, and intimacy with Him, and you're going to be surprised how much more awesome he is than you ever realized. And that's such a joy. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, how many of you learned this verse as a kid? And when I read that verse now, as a 46-year-old, I'm thinking, I don't understand that. For God so loved the world. I mean, what, what was this love like that he would be willing to give his one begotten son for us? Amazing. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified together with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The kindness of God is motivated by his love. And then Romans 5 8 says that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's how he demonstrates his love to us. God's the kindness of God is undeserved. It is motivated by his love. And then I love this. Ephesians 2 6 and 7. Point number 3 it shows off his grace. It shows off his grace. Verse six and seven says, and he raised us up together and he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, that will be now 20 centuries later and beyond, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Through his kindness, God is saying, look at my grace. Grace. Try to comprehend how awesome I am. He puts it out there for everybody to see. And that's what a witness is. When we're born again, the Spirit of God comes and dwells in us, and he says, you will be my witnesses. What does that mean? The world's going to look at you and say, that person is a Christian? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I knew that person growing up in high school. You should have seen him. I was his college buddy. Oh, boy, I got some stories about him or her. That person is saved. God saved him. And then we get to say, only by his grace. Only by his grace. I am no longer the person that I used to be. I'm a new creature in Christ. Through us, beloved, and in us and through us, God shows off his grace. Your very life as a Christian should be a display of God's grace to the world. And that is how he is glorified. Colossians two thirteen and 15, I love this as well. It says, You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made a life together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And listen to this, verse 15 in Colossians chapter 2. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. At the cross, at the very gory, painful cross, God was actually displaying his grace to the world. He was demonstrating his kindness to you 2,000 years ago. Isn't that amazing? He was making a public spectacle of the fact that he was triumphing over death and over sin in order that he would offer us forgiveness and a new life. While the kindness of God shows off his grace. So kindness is action, right? Kindness requires action. You can't be a kind person and not do anything. Kind of like love. And if you really think about kindness, it's very closely associated with love and mercy and grace. And... But in this case, it's love in action results in kindness. Isaiah 44, verses 22 and 23 says, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, you mountains, O forests, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. You read the Old Testament, what's it all about? God glorifying himself how in the grace and the kindness and he love that he shows this rebellious nation of israel and in the new testament the church but the thread and what stays the same is god's faithfulness god's goodness god's love god's mercy god's kindness towards people undeserving people Last point, there's something else I want to share with you guys. So the kindness of God is undeserved. It's motivated by his love. It shows off his grace. And point number four, it saves us. It is God's kindness that saves us. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. God's kindness saves us. Titus 3.5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, his kindness, his goodness, his love, he has saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Romans 2.4 is very interesting. Paul tells the church in Rome, he says, or do, you, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? He's telling the church in Rome. Are you, are you not going to accept and realize his, his kindness, are you going to show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance and patience? Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So when you share the gospel, somebody hears the gospel, they hear the bad news that they're sinners destined for condemnation in hell forever. And then, the good news is, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the love in which he loved us, he showed this amazing kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. And it is that kindness that leads us to repentance. Isn't that amazing? And beloved, if you're sitting here thinking like, "Uh, I'm not sure if God is really kind, and you have a list of reasons why you think God is not kind, you need to be careful with that. You're falling right into the enemy's hands. And in a group like this, and people watching online, I know there's some of us perhaps here that are feeling like that. Yeah, that sounds really good, but why? Why Why these tragedies? Why these difficulties? And I want to share a couple of thoughts about that. How do you reconcile the fact that God is kind, loving, merciful, gracious, and then we have are difficult circumstances. And what are we supposed to do about that? I would submit to you Romans 8.18, where Paul, somebody who suffered unjustly, probably more than any other person for the cause of Christ. Romans 8.18 8, says, let me read that, lest I mess it up here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You have to hang on to that. You have to hang on to that. Because you will suffer persecution, and you will suffer loss, and you will become ill, and so will every person that you love And ultimately, beloved, we're all going to leave this earth. Nobody's going to live here forever. About 70, 80 years is what we get. And during those 70, 80 years, you're going to suffer at times. And you're going to experience tragedy, loss. But that is why God sent his one and only begotten son. This life is temporary, and we don't want to minimize the pain and the loss and the suffering. And that's part of why we are supposed to be working together as a family, supporting, encouraging, helping one another. Because we need each other. Need each other. But Paul says, no matter how bad things get here, They are not worthy to be compared to the glory that we will experience in heaven. The more we focus on the life to come, the easier and more bearable difficult circumstances here on earth are. We're only here for a little while. James says we're but a vapor, we're here now and gone tomorrow. And very much a big problem is that we want to hang on to this life, this temporary life, and you're going to lose every time. My dad's been gone for almost eight years, but I know exactly where he is. And even though I had him for 35 years, he's going to be such a bigger part of my future than he was of my past. Guaranteed. And anybody who has surrendered their life, repented of their sin, accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and has been born again, has that hope, that security, that if we're here today and gone tomorrow, we know we're going to be the next day, forever. We can't allow ourselves to fall into the trap of the enemy, to be conformed into this world, this temporary life that will disappoint you, over and over but even in those hard times he promises to be with us and never forsake us but we got to stay at it beloved we got to be spiritually internally minded what God did through Christ triumphs over every negative event in our temporary life by far but that's something that we need to believe by faith Paul actually got a chance to get a glimpse of heaven that's why he's able to say that but the rest of us we hear what Paul says inspired by the Holy Spirit and we hang on to that and we believe that that you take the worst event in this life and it doesn't compare it does not compare to the glory that we will experience in heaven heaven Forever, something I can't even understand, comprehend. But the fact that we're gonna experience glory beyond our comprehension is something I hang on to by faith and I trust in the one who said it. For those of us dealing with difficult times, reach out. There is help. Reach out. The first thing you can find is that you're not, you're not the only one. That's the other thing that the enemy, right? Oh, you're doubting your faith. You can't tell anybody that. Oh, you're having a hard time even wanting to go to church. Oh, nobody can find out about that. Join the club, beloved. Join the club. We're all right here for each other. Don't let yourself and the enemy and this world tell you otherwise. Rejoice in God's kindness. Read God's word. Understand that, that God's kindness towards us is so much more, so much greater, so much more awesome than anything that we could possibly comprehend. And so that when the difficult times come, we're able to fall back on God's kindness and realize that this is not a contradiction. It's not that God is holding back his kindness and now giving me this. And how that works, we're still trying to figure out. But he is sovereign. He does what he wants, but he's loving, he's merciful, and he's kind. Gracious Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to be here. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your word. Father, we we believe, but we also need help with our unbelief. Thank you for everybody who was here this morning, for those who joined us online, and maybe those who will be watching on a recording. We ask that you would lead us, guide us, watch over us, help us, Father, in our journey here. Help us to be in your word. Help us to comprehend and grow in the knowledge of your Son and your love and your kindness. We ask that you would dismiss us, and as you dismiss us, Father, that we would be convicted in in realizing that as you have shown such great kindness towards us, that we would, in turn, live in a way that would show that kindness to others. For your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.